So hello everybody. Um, this is Dave Morris for the HBR Community News for November. Um, now with me tonight I have Ahuka. Hello. <laughs> uh, and Ken Ken Palin is lurking in the background, but I don't think he's going to be making an appearance. He's probably listening to us, and uh, we might get the odd comment through the chat or something. But other than that, it's just uh, just a hooker myself. So, so we're going to try and run things as per normal. But I'm not Ken Fallon, so I don't have the gift of the gab to quite the extent that he does. But uh, we'll we'll do our best anyway. So we'll start off with the uh, the new hosts welcoming new hosts to um, to HPR. We have first of all Kevin Wisher, who uh, was surprised to find as a new host. He, he's been been on the horizon for he's been been a been a mainstay for HPR for quite some time, I think. But um, and also we have Keith Murray, we have Underrunner, and Andrew Conway. Okay, so. Let's just head off straight into the show details. Okay, so starting with show number 1370, Logging with Octopress by Tony Pelias, would that be? I, You're not coming through very yeah, clearly. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think Pelias. Yeah, okay. Okay to me. Yeah, yeah, okay. So he'd, uh, he was telling us about Octopress, which is a static site generator. Um, not something I've really had direct experience of. How about yourself? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I use WordPress for my own. Mm -hmm. I think he'd, he, he was not happy with WordPress, so he was looking for, for various other possibilities. He did a nice summary of uh, what was available there. It looked pretty interesting, I thought. Oh, absolutely! I, I, it was a it was a good program. Uh, I just for me, WordPress seems to work. Yes, yeah. I've I've looked at these things myself, but have not decided on one yet. But Octopress looks interesting. I'm not sure whether you have to learn Ruby to uh, to use it, but still sounds interesting. So, the next next episode was 1371, which was pokey telling us about the, the sad tale of the lost banner of HPR. An epic tale. Yes. It's really sad that uh, people get stuff that's not meant for them and don't don't send it back. It was quite, uh, quite a sad thing. But yeah, still. but it seems to have worked out. Uh, anyone who's following on the mailing list uh, probably is aware of this. That, uh, and I'm sorry, I don't have all these names at the top of my head, but someone stepped forward and said, well, you know, I work at a place that does this, and just tell me what you want, and I'll get you a new banner. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds fantastic. It's the HPR community doing what it does, which is fantastic. So, yeah, um, the um, the subject of stickers and business cards and all the rest of it was interesting for me anyway, because... Uh, um, hoping, I'm hoping to go to um, FOSDEM in um, Belgium in February and uh, hoping to have an HBR table there. So we're looking to, to uh, make sure we've got plenty of those things for that. Uh, that's Ken, both Ken and I, hopefully, assuming Ken's okay by then. 
So sounds great. I I wish I could go to Fosdem, but uh, I don't really have the budget for that. No, it's a, it's it must be a hell of a journey for you that. But it's yeah, it's, I've I've never been to anything as big as that. It's five thousand delegates, I'm told. Five thousand plus, which is mag, is absolutely huge, frighteningly huge. But uh, interesting to see what it's like. Yeah, that, that's quite a the, the largest that I've been to is Ohio Linux Fest here in the United States, and that's generally a thousand or you know twelve hundred somewhere around there. That's pretty big, but uh, yeah, I, I have no idea how they organize a thing of five thousand delegates. That's that's going to be quite uh, quite impressive to see. Yeah. Anyway, pressing on, um, episode thirteen seventy two. This was uh, Hacker Mike, James Michael DuPont, talking about rootstrikers.org and Federal Election Commission data processing. Now, this is a thing I didn't know anything at all about. Um, did you? Is this, this a subject you know about, uh, Hooker? Uh, a little bit. Uh, the uh, Federal Election Commission in the United States uh, is in charge of regulating how elections are carried out, and uh, there's certain data that has to be collected. Um, so, for instance, if, if you donate money to a political campaign, they have to get your name and uh, name of your employer. Uh, and what they're trying to do is make sure that companies are not making illegal campaign contributions. Mm. Okay, okay. So this is a sort of oversight process that's going on here. By the yeah. by, the community presumably. Yeah, little known fact. I used to work in politics here in this okay. country, and in fact, I'm working on a show right now where that uh, comes into it a little bit. That sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. So this, but the the, the technical side of this impressed me from the size of the the data manipulation exercise. It seems huge. <laughs> just judging by what he was saying there, that uh, yeah, impressive. Indeed, uh, you know there are those who say one of the big factors behind uh, Barack Obama's two uh, electoral victories was mastery of the technology, and uh, Harper Reed was the fellow who was in charge of his IT operation and is. Uh, gotten rather famous for how he handled all of that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah we've i think it was it was obvious up to to people even in the uk it was it was obvious that uh, there was something special going on there um i don't think our politicians have got quite that far i'm not i'm really apolitical so i'm, I'm not not really much of a much of um an authority on this but uh I don't think we've we've quite reached that level of sophistication, but it won't be far off, I'm sure. Oh, I, I do believe, from what I've seen, that the uh, the UK is picking up all of the stuff that the United States is doing. Bound to be, bound to be. Yeah. Okay. So, so next we had uh, your good self starting the. This was was this the first um, episode of the series uh, on security. Well, it's the first one that I did. Yep. Uh, I decided that okay. we should roll in uh, something that Clatu had done uh, and call that part of the series as well. And, and 
you know, Ken may go back and find a few others in the archives that could now be packaged up as part of this. Mm -hmm. But what I was trying to do in this particular episode was uh, just sort of lay some groundwork and say, you know, this really is possible. You know, GCHQ, or in our country, NSA, uh, you know, they, they can't walk on water. They can't. Uh, they can't do things that violate the laws of mathematics. So if you want to be protected, you really can. Sure, sure. It's it's a it's a very relevant subject, obviously, and it it does need this sort of introduction as well. I think because I think people tend to be a little bit glib about it. You know, how does it affect me? And uh, you know, if I'm not doing anything wrong, why should I be worried? Type of attitude. So. Uh, these these issues do need to be addressed. People need to be made aware. Well, yeah, my, my favorite response to someone who says, you know, I don't have anything to hide is, give me the URL of the webcam in your bathroom. Now. <laughs> yeah. That's a good good answer. <laughs> very good, very good. Okay, well, it's good. I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing more, and there's more to come um, in the queue, I see. Uh, so... 1374 was uh, Richard Hughes um, who talked to us about uh, building a, well, upgrading a Hackintosh, which uh, yeah. is something you, you, you have experience of? No, I, I don't personally, but Richard is a friend of mine. He's oh, okay. one of the regulars on the Linux Link I, show. I, I'm sure, uh, yes, yes, Flying Rich, I, I recognize yeah. him. Yeah, and, uh, and he and I he and I frequently uh, interact on Google Plus. You know, we follow each other and that sort of thing. Okay, I um, I wasn't that interested as I listened to it, but I got uh, you know, this is not really relevant to me. I'm not going to be. I'm not a Mac person. But as I listened, I became more interested. And my son is a is a Mac user and um, is just. Surprise! As a surprise to me, is building himself, or has been building himself, a new machine which he's turning into a Hackintosh. So, so between Richard's um, episode and what my son's been doing, it's uh, suddenly opened up big vistas for me. It's it's, it's uh, something sounds pretty pretty good to do actually. I, I, now that Mavericks is free, isn't it? You can it it is no cost in getting a copy of it anymore. Uh, there's no cost. I'm not sure what the uh, license agreement involves. Apple has never officially uh, allowed you to um, use their software on your own hardware. No, 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 no. They, they, they don't want you to be building Hackintoshes, but uh, they're not uh, not really able to stop you, I guess. I don't know. But, oh, Ken just popped up in the chat. <laughs> Indeed. Hello, Ken. Hello, everybody. Hi, I'm only allowed, to, I'm only was, allowed uh, to be here for 10 minutes. So. All right, <laughs> and, good. Uh, yeah, I was really interested in uh, the Macintosh operating system at one time. And then I found Linux, and now Macintosh doesn't interest me at all. Linux is, is my home. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, really. I've, I've, I've not really used Macs to any, any great extent, apart from the ones that they had at work. Just dallied with them briefly, but um, the uh, my son's a musician and he needs to run quite a lot of uh, uh, very demanding software on his his Mac and his 
MacBook Pro has been running out of steam. Um, so uh, building a, a nice new machine has meant that he can actually carry on with his studies as he, sh- as he needs to be doing, you know. So so it's quite relevant in, in that respect. Yeah. And I just see here our, our new host, Kevin Wisher, is in the uh, chat room and just posted that Mavericks is dependent on your current model of Mac. Okay. Presumably there's a power limitation or something of that sort. Obviously it has to be a be a modern Mac. It's not uh, a um, one of the old style. It doesn't run on the old style kit. I would imagine you'd run into problems with device drivers and things mm. like that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So next we have a Another episode from your good self, Ahuka. Um Another LibreOffice episode. Uh, these these yeah. nested lists, these list things are very useful to me, actually. I've been taking your hints on board, and I've got one or two templates which I've been building. I'm sure you're, getting, you're going to get to that at some point soon. Um, and I've been taking some of your uh, your advice and... Uh, reworking them to 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 build styles into them, so so it's 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 been really good. Thank you very much. Uh, well, you're you're quite welcome. But actually, templates is where I started the series. You did mention templates. You're right. Yes, indeed. And yes. the reason I had to do that is that styles have to be stored inside a template. So mm-hmm. I did templates mm-hmm. first, then moved into styles. Yep. Yep. Will you be covering templates from the point of view of building one from scratch? Um, I've got one that I use for, for recipes. I keep my own recipe log using uh, LibreOffice. Um, and, you know, I want to be able to... This is getting maybe getting a bit too technical, um, but uh, things like the ability to easily move around the, the elements of it, you know, and fill them in appropriately. You can do some quite smart things with that, can't you, in templates? Yeah, am I making sense? Yeah, I'm looking up what I did right now, because I thought I had done that. You're making sense to me, Dave. <laughs> okay. That's a rare event. Yeah, that's true, because <laughs> <laughs> usually, you're usually operating too too high for me, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've got, a, uh, I've got something in there about creating templates, and one of the first things I do is creating the default template, but then I talk yeah. about creating other templates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, thanks for that series. It, it is it is really good. I've been enjoying it a lot. Yeah, it seems to be popular. So, um, moving on then, and next we had Cla two talking thirteen seventy six talking about teaching the art of computing. Which was, I thought, a very interesting, interesting point of view. Uh, what I took away from it was um, the need to teach the skill rather than the product. Did what, what did? How did you? Um, I I had exactly the same uh, takeaway from it. Um, mm-hmm. and I you... love this. I you know that it, this like should be required listening for anyone who is going to teach computer science. 
Yeah, it's it's certainly been the case in the UK that the move has been away from computing skills and and towards you know Microsoft products, Excel or whatever it is, and uh, and that's been within the last just I guess five to ten years that that's happened. Because I I've certainly met kids who were learning Pascal, for example, ten years maybe or so ago, and but my kids all went through. Just being told how to use Microsoft stuff, mostly, I think. So I, I call that educational malpractice. Absolutely. Such a bad thing to do. But uh, there is uh, a great ray of sunshine in the UK, and it's called the Code Club. Right, right. What's that exactly? I've not heard of that. Oh, this was uh, a couple of women started this thing called Code Clubs. And so, sounds like an episode to me. If you don't find me saying so. <laughs> um, yeah, I, there, there was. Uh, I've read interviews with them in uh, magazines and things like that. Um, and the way it works is that they uh, they go into a school. They get some mentors who are usually people who are in the industry, and uh, you know, set up these clubs. And the, the focus really is on learning the coding and the technology um, rather than how to type in a word processor, which is mm-hmm. a bunch mm-hmm. of garbage. Sure, sure. And in fairness, the Raspberry Pi is also uh, doing a lot of that. Yeah. Okay, guys, I've got to go. I have a lot of my 10 minutes that I can be uh, <laughs> out of bed for this hour. Okay. Back to bed, Dan. The nurse Bye. is there. <laughs> okay, see you again. <laughs> Dear, dear. Anyway, um, yeah, I, it it uh, it's definitely an area that needs needs a lot of a lot of debate, but um, hopefully the message is is getting through. Is it, are things changing significantly in the in the states? Not not nearly to the extent that uh, that I'm seeing in the UK. Mm. Uh, there are uh, some people. In fact, I'm I'm getting involved with a, a group here in Michigan called Penguicon, which is a combination Linux and science fiction convention. All right. And uh, I'm hoping we're going to get to address some of that. Uh, So I I know a woman who is part of the GNOME project who is also very interested in it because she's got kids. Good, good, yes, yeah. I guess that hopefully... Realization is dawning, and uh, and change will 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 happen as time goes on. But uh, it's it's sad that uh, you know it's it's ever got into that state in the first place. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I remember uh, taking a computer science course in college, and for me, I'm talking like 1978, and I had to write some programs in BASIC. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the really the old Dartmouth basic where, you know, line 10, line 20, line 30. Yes. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think that was the best foundation I, I could have asked for to start thinking about how computers work. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, there's nothing like it. Years and years ago, uh, in the place I used to work, the university I used to work, it was decided for some obscure reason that we were going to run some summer summer camp type courses, um, 
there's an organization in the UK that that runs you know young young people's summer summer adventure holiday type things uh and there was a component which which was a computing one so we we were teaching them how to write the 6502 assembler programs you know kids of teenage kids school kids um to drive little robots and and that type of thing and you know they they just lapped it up they were they were racing ahead they were well ahead of us we were still we were we were you know running to keep up with them so yeah robotics clubs are are the the great uh, ray of sunlight here in the united states there's a a lot of those and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know kids are very excited by that very good okay so very good that's thank you Clatu, for that that one um next was frank bell doing a, a talk about the zareason android tablet and uh i i must admit i thought he did a did a great great summary of this particular device it looked really nice actually yeah uh, and it's uh there, there's two things that come to my mind the first is uh zareason as a company you know is one of those places that you know they build and support uh machines that use free software uh, and I think it's important to support people like that. So uh, I was really glad to see Frank do this. Uh, and, you know, I, I know the people there. I've met the uh, the CEO and that sort of thing. And okay. they're really good people. Yeah. I've, I've heard of them. I've heard, uh, heard people um, like Dan on Tilts has bought ser- several of their, their laptops and things, hasn't he? Has he bought them? Has he bought any of those? Some somebody has anyway. I can't. Maybe it isn't him, um, but I've certainly heard people buying their their kit and saying good things about them. I'm not sure we can get them in the UK, but uh, sometimes the answer... they're expanding internationally. In fact, they, yeah. they recently opened a New Zealand office. Oh right, okay. So maybe maybe they're moving in in the UK direction. That would be good. So we don't have much here. That uh, there were one or two companies that sold. Um, purpose-built machines with uh, with Linux on. I bought one myself using it now, but that was some number of years ago, and they've gone out of business since then. But uh, Yeah. There, so. The other company that I can think of, now I, I don't know if they're outside the United States at all, is a company called System76. That's what I'm thinking of, actually. Yes, yes. Yes, I think you can buy them in the UK, but they, they do cost a lot in shipping, as I guess you'd expect. Oh yeah, I guess if you have to get international shipping, that's yeah. going to add to the expense. But uh, you know, they do good stuff too. I mm-hmm. I, I, I like Zareason, but uh, you know, they're both good companies. Yeah, that's good to see. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So next we had um, a whole raft of talks from OGCamp thirteen. And uh, 1378 was uh, a batch of talks from NY Bill, Theru, and Tim Timmy. I never know how to say his, say his handle there, but that, I think that's how he likes to have it uh, pronounced. Um, well, I was at Old Camp with the with the guys there, as you, you might have gathered, and uh, it was it was really good. They, they were 
NY Bill was out there with the microphone, uh, dashing about all over the place, getting as many interviews as he possibly could. Sometimes he remembered to switch it on, I, I hear as well. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a few problems, let's, let's put it that way, but... You know, it can happen to the best of us. But uh, no, was, I thought there were some great interviews there. And uh, Ogcamp was, was uh, the most interesting and uh, exciting event. Well, you know, I'm going to say I am in no position to look down on people who forget to turn it on. Because <laughs> I, did a, uh, I did a talk about Hacker Public Radio at my Linux users group, and I was going to record it. And I got all the way down done with the talk and realized I'd never turned on the recording. Oh, that's... Uh, and it's not... It's an easy trap to fall into with some of these recorders because you press the button once and you think it's recording. You have to press it a second time to uh, to record it. Um, the, that's the exactly what happened. It's the, the Zoom, the various Zoom uh, uh, recorders. And I've got, got one that I share with my son that... Um, that suffers from the same thing. It's a a Tascam uh, that that you know it it's setting it up. It's making sure all the levels are right, and then the next button press starts it recording. But unless you're really on the ball, and and, and I'm not always <laughs> when I'm doing these things, uh, it's easy to easy to fall into that problem. So yeah, I've got a Sansa clip that I was. Oh yeah, those are good too. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, there were there were three days, in fact, of interviews. The second one was uh, um, further further interviews. We managed to get Pete Cannon from the was it Dick Turpin Roadshow. He uh, was handed a a microphone and asked to do an interview, which was which was very good. Um, then I did a brief one. Unfortunately, somebody started started up a knitting machine right next next to us, just as I switched the recorder on. So hopefully that didn't uh, drown things out too much. Um, and uh, yeah, it was there was some some good stuff. Uh, NY Bill interviewed. Speaking of youngsters who are in, getting into computing, Mini Geek Girl, I think she calls herself, who um, was uh, had done a talk. Uh, at one of the Raspberry Pi things. I think she's about 13 or 14. Very impressive young girl. Amazing. Yeah, I, I love hearing stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was good. And the the 1380, the, the episode on Friday, was the sound of four guys in a hotel room ironing T-shirts and, and making a a reasonable job of it, but one or two mistakes coming across as well. I don't know if you if you picked up on those. It it was quite funny because I, I I knew the voices having met them all, and and I'd heard the story of the of the the ironing disasters. So for me, it was quite amusing to listen to. I don't know how it came across for everybody else. Yeah, I I don't think that I listened to that one all the way through. To be very honest. <laughs> No, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's one of those sort of ambient ambient recordings that uh, that you, you you maybe you wouldn't give it a huge lot of attention. Let's put it that way. But it. I think that the the consensus was well, just just let it, just put it out there because I'm sure somebody will find it amusing, even if it was only me. <laughs> 
yeah, I, and it's uh, I love the fact that Hacker Public Radio will, you know, is pretty much open to anyone who wants to do anything. Uh, but but the other side of that is every once in a while, I'm not saying frequently, but every once in a while, I get about five minutes into it, decide, yeah, this isn't for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hit the no, next button. That's that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. These things these things happen. So that's fair enough. So that's uh, so that was old camp, but it was uh, certainly interesting. Shame Ken couldn't make it, but uh, there we go. So next, sorry, go ahead. Just agreeing with you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the next episode was 1381, which was Kevin Wisher, who's uh, is in the background here on this uh, mumble channel. But uh, he's um, he was talking about how uh, how he found Linux. Um, he had a had a co-host whose name I missed. Um, I don't have a record of it, and I don't see it on. Who was it again? Honky Magoo. Thank you very much, honky, Kevin. Honky, honky Magoo. Okay. Honky. Yes. Yes, I remember it now. I remember it. Yeah. Okay. No, it was. I loved that episode. It was. It was really good. I love all these reminiscences of the early days of computing. I don't think we have enough of those, to be honest with you. And the history of some of the experiences of Linux versions. I, I enjoyed that very much. Well, I go back before Linux, so <laughs> yeah, me you get too. Me going, too. I can start talking about mainframes and punch cards. Well, I uh, I've been holding back on that one, to be honest with you. I I, I started I started on I started computing in I think about 1970 as a student with punch cards, and I don't know whether I want to bore the world with with my reminiscences of this, but I quite like listening to other people's. Maybe maybe you and I should do one together at some point, comparing notes there, Ahuka. It sounds like we're just about at the same point. I think mine was 69 at Bank of Boston. Oh, great. Great stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe we should compare notes sometime. Yeah, you know, we could do that. Yeah. That would be fun. I, I, certainly, because... Um, there were some very, very bizarre things that people did in those days in terms of uh, the way they prepared stuff and the equipment that they had. And you know, there were punch cards of different sorts. There were paper. There was paper tape. There was all sorts of other weird technology. Most of which people have not don't really have much uh, knowledge of these days, unless they're they're of our age. Um, so I, I just feel that it would be interesting to to do a little bit more about that sort of stuff. And then we can segue right into how we used to have to walk to school uphill both ways. Oh, absolutely. That's the way it was. It was absolutely, no doubt about it. See, these, these youngsters, too easy. they just don't know they're born, these youngsters. They don't know. <laughs> oh, get off my lawn, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Let's not have too much of that. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Kevin. That was uh, Kevin Wisher, that is. Thanks for that episode. That was most interesting. And he says that they just recorded part two. Oh, oh, right. I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. So next was uh, Dave um, Hingley being in interviewed by his brother Mike. Um, I know I know both of these guys, having met them last year at uh, at Old Camp and also this year. Um, 
It's a little bit of a sad tale, actually. Uh, Dave Dave's presentation at OCAMP didn't didn't go right because he couldn't get the projector to work with his laptop, his Linux laptop, and then had problems when he tried to set things up the next day, finding a room, and so he was just a, a little bit unhappy about the way things had, had panned out, and really quite sorry to hear that. Well, uh, I know exactly how he feels, because that's what happened to me at Ohio Linux Fest a few months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I had a really nice presentation that just fell apart completely, because I couldn't get the projector and, and my laptop to talk to each other properly. Yeah, yeah. And why are that? It seems bizarre that, that that should be a problem these days, doesn't it? Well, I think it was an older projector and, uh, you know, it's, I don't usually have that problem, but I certainly did this time. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was older kit at, uh, at Liverpool, in fact. I think he said something like it was a VGA device and, exactly. uh, and, uh, you know, very often, uh, because I was one of the organizers at Ohio Linux Fest this last time around, and, you know, you're scrambling around, you'd have no budget, you're trying to find, you know, does anyone have a projector we can borrow? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you get what you get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sad. I hope that hasn't put, it, put him, put the two brothers off anyway, because it's, it's good to, to have them around at, at Oak Camp. But, uh... Anyway... Um, so next was the, the last community news, which we never comment on for fear of infinite recursion. If we keep <laughs> it. Okay. Yeah. We'll let that one go. <laughs> but, uh, um, then we had Keith Murray giving, giving us his first, first show, how I got into Linux and OSS. Um, and I, he had a he had an interesting journey along the way. I thought he'd made various moves towards Linux and uh, hadn't quite got there. Um, Indeed, over the years, it's quite an unusual journey. Uh, it, was, it was interesting to see see that sort of point of view. I thought, yeah, yeah, I, I always like those. No, it's it's. I think the, the sort of personal history. Episodes are always always fascinating. I always uh, sometimes I prefer them to the technical ones. I don't know what that says about me, but uh, <laughs> that's well. I think for me, part of it is that uh, Hacker Public Radio is a community, and uh, you know I like getting to know the people. Exactly. And, yes. You know, yes. That's a little bit about their background, and you know how did you get here, and uh, you know that just it adds a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think that is that's definitely it. It's good. So, anyway, thirteen eighty five was another uh, LibreOffice. Is that the is that the end of the the nested list? Is that the the end of the of that particular subject now? Then, uh, I think that's the end of the uh, yeah the nested lists. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know the next area is getting into the page layout stuff. And right. I've already uploaded, right. Uh, I think, three more shows in that, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to try and and write one or two more this weekend. Oh, great! Yes. So I've already done the stuff on page styles and mm -hmm. and a general overview of page layout. Uh, I've got to 
get to frame styles. And uh, then I think when I finish that, I, I sort of promised the thing on outlining, and then I'm going to get into calc. Right. Yes. Yes. You you said that. I think. Yeah. I think people are jumping at the bit of, a little bit there because they they want to know how to drive their spreadsheets, don't they? Well, actually, at this point, so am I. I I'm oh. sort of feeling like uh, you know, I just have to slog through you know the last little bit of this writer stuff. Yes. And, you know, uh, my mind is already on calc. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, oh. Kevin Wisher just asked a question uh, in the chat room, uh, and he plans for draw. So let me say that, uh, you know, God willing, if uh, my voice lasts and Hacker Public Radio stays up, uh, I'm going to go through all of the aspects of LibreOffice. Great stuff. Great stuff. But I... It's... Kevin's. Yeah, and then Kevin just said it's a good replacement for Microsoft Publisher. Uh, I'm going to say LibreOffice Writer is not a bad. Uh, it, it's actually as much a page layout or you know desktop publishing program as anything. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's impressive stuff. It is indeed. I've been using um, I've been using it since Star Office times, so seen it seen it develop, um, and it's. It's been it's been growing and improving all of that all of that time. It's been really good. Yeah, I actually started with Star Office, and mm -hmm. in fact, I've written. I haven't actually recorded it yet, but I've written an episode that Ken asked me to do, uh, in which I'm going to get into uh, sort of the meta background of all of this stuff. You know, how did I get into this, and how do I put my shows together, and things like that. And Ken asked for it, so I thought, what the heck, let's do it. Oh, very good. That'll be interesting. Yeah, good. More history. I always like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, next we had Bob Trigulus. Trigulus? How does he pronounce that, do you think? Trigulus? I, I would think, yeah, Trigulus or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, however you pronounce it, uh, it looks like this is going to be a series, and I... I love it. Uh, this particular one took me back uh, to the days of my youth because, uh, you know, they're talking about the what's called the underground or alternative press here in the United States. Yes. You know, that's what I grew up with. I was this anti-war hippie back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Well, I think I, I'm not sure I was that much exposed to, to Obviously, I knew about the those sort of movements in the States being of a similar similar age and stuff, but um, I don't know that that it much of it came my way anyway. Maybe I just well, you, never you never looked. You uh, were subject to being drafted, I'm guessing. No, of course not. No, 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 no. But I mean, it was it was well known that that nasty things were happening um, over over the over the pond there, and uh, you know, there was a lot of sympathy towards the the problems. But uh, but yeah, I don't think we we had an in depth understanding of it. At least I didn't. So yeah, yeah. no, it's uh, interesting. It's... It is uh, as your own uh, Dr. Samuel Johnson uh, once said: uh, "Knowing that you're to be hanged in a fortnight focuses the mind wonderfully." <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. Yeah. Well, being subject to the draft and, and the 
possibility of being sent over to Vietnam uh, does really focus your mind on the issue. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, I can sympathize with that to, to a certain degree. As a as a kid, there was there was still conscription to the army, you know, after the Second World War in, in the UK, um, which was, I don't know, not quite clear why, but it continued on for, for some number of years after the end of World War Two. So it was a subject that as a child you knew that there was a possibility that that would continue when you when you grew up and you might find yourself dragged off to uh, to the army. So, you know, so it's always a bit of a fear of mine as a as a young boy. So I have sympathy. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh we look look forward to hearing more about that. Next we had uh Underrunner giving us uh, his first show on his uh, Christmas light synchronization setup. And wow, is this an impressive project? <laughs> the notes are really good. I, I did find that, that I was reading reading through them as I listened. Um, this project seems to have grown and grown. Could have done with a picture. That was the only thing, just... A, a, a picture of maybe of the of the the finished product would have been nice, but uh, still, no complaints. Very good. Or a video on YouTube. Oh, absolutely. Even more. Even better. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it certainly sounded quite a, quite a project. So next we had Sigflop um, owning in a an episode which she did just off off the top of her head, um, on the JavaScript language, which uh, I found really, really quite fascinating. I, I've, I've looked at it, looked at JavaScript just briefly and thought, oh, yeah, yeah, there's JavaScript. I don't want to have anything to do with that particularly. But I'm going to maybe start rethinking that, that point of view. What did you think? Well, I, I think almost any time Sigflup does a show, the first thing that comes to mind is, I wish I was smart enough to follow every single thing that she says. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I'm not, and that's, you know, that's simply life. But, uh, you know, I, I often listen to it and think, boy, if if I could just do half of that stuff. Absolutely, yes. Plus also, I think her, her view of uh, what's what's good in the, la in the world of... of uh, Programming language is, is to, certainly to be considered. Um, she seems to have a very deep insight into these things that I certainly don't have. So I, 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 I did, leave, after listening to her program and hearing about uh, um, the ins and outs of JavaScript and Node.js, which is the server-side uh, aspect of it, I did right. go off and, and uh, install it just to have a look at it. You know the the Node.js thing, which is a way of writing. You can it, it's got a, a web server capability built into it, so you can build your whole application from from scratch pretty much with it. I think. Um, so it's uh, it's it's a fascinating thing, but boy, is it does it blow your mind. Um, her, yeah, uh, her, it is powerful, no doubt yeah, about that. Yeah. And it's it's really complicated because of its uh, asynchronous capabilities, which is the the point that she was making in her second show, where she she just 
um, came up with some, came back with some corrections to, to what she'd said previously. Um, I think to, to help clarify the synchronous, asynchronous elements of the, of, of the language, um, which I personally found quite helpful because I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't quite getting what she was saying in the first, the first uh, show. So I was glad of that. Yeah, I, I know a little bit of JavaScript. Um, I was back when I was uh, on the faculty of a local university. I ended up in charge of the website, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know I did a certain amount. Uh, I was nowhere near being an expert in it. It was more like find something that does kind of what I need to do and and get in and understand the code enough to adapt it. Yeah, yeah, I, I've done similar sort of stuff but it's been largely in my experience the, the the business of taking the the html structure and doing things with it or bending it in some way um with javascript you know if you want some sort of something dynamic to happen on the page or something javascript's the way to do it but what what's being what uh, the way that people are using it now is to 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 be a a primary language for developing whole applications, which is a very different take on the on the subject, I think. So definitely definitely need some, some investigation, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So in a good couple of shows from Sigfla. Yeah, thanks for that. Very good. So finally for the for the month, we had your good self again telling us about uh, the basics of encryption, which uh, I listened to that a couple of times because it's pretty, uh, pretty dense, densely packed with info. There, it's very good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting topic, and yeah. I think it helps to get some of the background stuff, so that when you get into technically how to do it, you understand what the issues are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I liked your point about the difference between codes and ciphers. Which I'd noted down here that uh, it uh, it's it's easy to uh, to to misuse these terms, which I think I've been guilty right. of in the past. So that's good. That one's good. I'm, I was glad for that. Heads up. Well, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's even people who are professionals, you know, get sloppy about that. So you refer to NSA as code breakers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and really what they are is ciphers. Uh, you know. It's it's a it maybe a small thing, but I, I like to just be clear on what the distinction is. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's it can be quite an, an important point if you if you're digging deeply into this stuff. Yeah, it's uh, you're either trying to hide something or you're not. <laughs> so. Absolutely, yeah. Very good. Okay, so that's um, that's all of the the past month's shows. Um, and normally, uh, Ken likes to do a review of what's been going on in the mailing list. Um, so I've tried to put together some my summary of, of things there. So uh, feel free to, uh, to to correct me and redirect me, uh, Hooker, as, as I go through this. But uh, um, the first first item I, that came to mind to, to mention was. Uh, Hacker Mike, that's uh, Mike Dupont's work that he's doing 
uh, in developing a, a a publisher tool in Python, um, which is not so much a tool, but a um, a set of a library and a set of set of uh, capabilities to allow you to um, do everything from the the uh, show notes to the to the publishing of your your uh, HBR show. Um, I've looked at this briefly, so I'm not sure I fully grasp all that it's capable of doing, but it, it, it looks like a great idea. I'm really glad there are people working on stuff like this. I would have to admit, I don't understand it at all. It's, um, I, because I'm, I'm a bit of an idiot when it comes to doing stuff like this, I found that because I um, couldn't always remember what I was supposed to be doing to prepare a, a show if I was doing one, I made myself a sort of checklist of, you know, have you remembered to do this, have you remembered to do that? Um, and I was thinking of coding it into something just for my own use, potentially for others' use, but, you know, you start with yourself and then maybe expand it. Um, I was thinking of doing something along along these lines, but mine was going to go right from the beginning of what's the name of your show, you know, and then it would make us a, a directory to store all the show details in named with that name, and it would use that, store that information to, so it would then know how to construct the name of the file that you're going to send to to the FTP server and that sort of stuff. But uh, it looks like Mike is, is already way, way ahead with that stuff. So, uh, so I think I'll just sit back and watch. <laughs> Well, anything that that uh, you know makes it easier. But yeah, I'm in favor of. Uh, absolutely. I, I'm finding right now that it takes me almost as long to do the show notes as it does to record the show. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Mind you, I think that's a good thing. Personally, I'm I'm a great believer in in good show notes because because you know sometimes you don't always absorb the information completely through through your ears you know through listening to it so something to read as well and something to come back to and refer to is is quite important oh absolutely mm. so so there's also been discussion of the infrastructure for the new year's show um, and I know, I know that uh, Kevin Wisher is hoping that uh, he's going to get some some of the people who are uh, um, going to be involved in in the the background elements of this to to discuss this soon. He was hoping, I think, to to get them together this evening after this recording, but I don't know whether he's uh, he's going to he's going to get anybody tonight. Um, but uh, there's Things seem to be coming along, coming coming together, or certainly certainly works being done to uh, to get stuff um, in a in a better state than it was last year. And for anyone who is listening to this program and does not normally follow the mailing list, and I suspect there are a few, um, what we're talking about here is we we do this. Uh, it's actually more than twenty four hours, I think. Uh, but uh, mm -hmm. it's a, you know, continuous New Year's show that that you know takes the beginning of the new year from one part of the world all the way around again, and uh, you know, there's people 
dial in for a while and then you know go off to do other things and it's all done on mumble so what what kevin is doing is trying to put together a kind of a federated group of mumble servers that can uh connect everyone in uh mm-hmm. and if you are up oh, kevin sorry. wants to talk sorry to interrupt but uh, actually we have we're going to be using the same mumble server we used last year the one from OpenSpeak, uh john newstetter uh, it's actually it started out being the Linux Basics uh, mobile server, but it's kind of expanded to be just an open server for anybody now. Uh, last year we had some issues with the two bot machines that kept dropping out of the room. I've personally spoken with John Newstetter, and he uh, found the problem on his, on that hosted VPS to get that fixed, so we won't have that issue this year. But what I'm trying to get coordinated is our group of IceCast streaming servers so that we can produce, you know, provide the live stream for everybody to listen to. We just need the one Mumble server, and we just need a, uh, about four IceCast servers to mirror each other and so that we have plenty of, you know, uh, plenty of... Uh, we got, we're, we're actually going to have... Uh, an MP3 feed and an AUG feed, just like we did last year. So it's basically the same setup. We just need to get everybody that's providing those four IceCast servers. Uh, Ken uh, gave me access to the HPR VPS, which is going to be the main feed that the two bots will be pumping audio to. And then off that main HPR VPS, the four mirrors that we uh, need to provide the live stream. So... I've, I'm providing the MP3 bot that will be pumping out the MP3 feed, and then I'm also providing the first mirroring server off the main HBR VPS. Uh, Cobra 2, I believe. Okay, um, so Kevin, uh, you you were trying to get some IceCast servers. Is there anything else you need from the community that we should mention here? Uh, no, we just we just need the four. Well, actually, I'm pretty sure we've got two already in line for the MP3 side, and then I just need to get in contact with Crayon. He per, he did the Og bot, and I'm not I can't remember who provided the two mirrors for the AUG stream. So that's what I'm missing right now is to get that all figured out. All right, good. Thanks for the report. Good, thank uh, you. Also, while we're talking about the New Year's show, uh, you know, while the technical stuff is going on now to prepare for all of it, uh, this is open to anyone in the Hacker Public Radio community. Uh, You know, if you can connect to Mumble, then, you know, please feel free to jump in and and spend some time with us new year's uh it's a lot of fun everyone involved loves it i agree uh the first year uh which was what uh the 2011 2012 new year's they just did a 12 hour and that turned into the following year which was last year to be the 24 hour show and the first year i wasn't uh involved with all we didn't i don't think we even did a stream i can't remember but uh i helped in that 12-hour period to you know get people in a separate room to test their audio before they went into the main room we, we need people to 
volunteer to do that, you know, to help people with audio issues who are new to Mumble. Um, I think Klaatu and I, that first year, kind of hung out in the uh, sound booth or whatever, just another spare room that where the main show wasn't being broadcast from, and just help people with their Mumble issues, got them set up before they moved in there to, to do any speaking. And I think Pokey helps with that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, I, I haven't heard from Pokey lately. But okay. regardless, it's a 24-hour uh, show, so everybody needs to, uh, it, you know, we need people to volunteer at particular various different times. Uh, sorry, I'm back. Another 10-minute <laughs> session. Can, can, <laughs> can, when is the actual official start time? Is it going to be the same as last year? Whenever uh, the first show, whenever the first time zone goes into uh, into the new year, then we do it, and we stop after the last time zone goes in. So that, for some strange reason, is something like twenty eight, twenty nine hours instead of twenty four. So. We're such, a, we're such a hit and popular that Leo Laporte is copying us this year. He's having a 24-hour podcast this year. Yeah. yeah. I heard about that. He's staying up, though. I don't. I think there was only one or two who stayed up last year. Also, this topic of food is completely banned this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about um, file managers that only give you one window? That is also high on the list of stuff that's banned. <laughs> we need to we, de- we need to designate an official person that can kick anybody off when they start <laughs> talking talking about dual pane uh, file managers. Absolutely not. No, it's a it's an open forum, and uh, you can argue with them all you want. Um, I yeah, I, I I would ask people. Um, there's no reason why. Um, what really worked quite well was um, if, if people could bring something to the table, like a short technical se- segment, a 15-minute, uh, you know, technical segment, um, you know, uh, as well. Think of topics like what was the best hack that you did all year? What was the best podcast you did all year? What, you know, what are you thankful for for the last year in the field of tech? That sort of stuff so that we can keep the conversation going and have those regular, regularly through, throughout the year. And what was also pretty cool and I really liked was, um, I think Becky Newcomb started it, was, uh, you know, welcoming the various different time zones as they crossed, which was kind of nice because it broke up uh, the conversations that were going over (laughs) over and over the same topic again. (laughs) Yeah, now, the way the time zones work, that means it, uh, the day starts in Middle of the Pacific, where the international dateline is. No, so no, that it starts be... it starts way the other side. It starts even before that. It starts just left of um, the U.S. Because what happened was all those islands were on the other side of the international dateline, and their their vacation days were being messed up with people, and they were on their invoices and everything. They were invoicing two days later and all that. So they a whole go of those islands moved to the other side of the international dateline. So even though so they maintain a two hour difference the other side of the international dateline because they're that far away, but they're still considered to be part of that same day. Weird or or what? 
and this and vice versa works the other side. Hey, you learn something new every day at Hacker Public Radio. <laughs> yeah, it was a big shock to everybody because I I looked up when it was the first time, and then doop doop doop. Oh, it's already New Year's Day somewhere. So there you go. So I think it, it, it in any case it probably means we have to start like twelve or fourteen hours before you get to midnight at uh, Greenwich. Yeah, I think uh, it starts around ten o'clock in the morning, uh, nine or ten o'clock in the morning, uh, UTC time. Uh, well, C E T time. So for me, at nine or ten o'clock in the morning, and then. Uh, but we'll I'll put um, the actual times worldwide onto the uh, onto the website. I'm sure Dave Morris has a script for that sort of thing. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I have one in the locker somewhere out there. I'll go and look. Okay. So, so the next thing I have on my list was to mention uh, Danny Meeks, who was the person who kindly offered to print a replacement banner as was mentioned earlier on. So um, thank you very much for that. Um, and uh, there was a mumble discussion about the design scheduled. I'm not sure whether that actually came to pass or not, uh, but uh, there would there certainly been some movement to uh, to cut to, to finalize a design, um, I believe. Yeah, I well, I remember there was discussion about doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, don't know anything more about it at the moment, I'm afraid, though. Uh, yeah, me either. I think the meeting was planned. I don't know if it's if it's gone ahead yet. No, no. Okay. Um, then Ken pointed out that there was an Indiegogo campaign for a new magazine called Linux Voice, which was the... Uh, the people from the uh, previous the people who had previously X been working for um, another magazine whose name has just escaped me. I've got a copy Linux of format. Format. Linux format. I have a copy here on the desk beside me, so I should know. Um, yes. So you very kindly flagged that up, and I think a, a number of HBR uh, people went over and. Uh, Threw some some money in their their direction, and it looks as if that campaign is doing very well as far as last last thing I saw. I I hope they do. I I signed up for a uh, print subscription, which is like ninety pounds for me because I'm in the United States, mm -hmm. ninety euros or ninety something. The thing that uh, I think is the two things that come to mind. Number one is that. These guys were all at Linux format. I, I don't know what this means for Linux format, but up until now, I've always thought it was the best Linux magazine uh, that I was aware of, and they're the ones who made it that good. Uh, Absolutely, but, yeah. And the other thing is that uh, these guys are, uh, as I put it, walking the walk on this. They're, they're talking about... Uh, all of their content is going to be uh, freely available through Creative Commons like nine months after they publish it. Uh, and they're also saying that 50% uh, of their profits are going to go to support uh, free and open source software. And 
they've already gone to their community to say, give us some ideas about uh, what we might want to do. Now, the first year, the, those profits may not be enormous. Uh, getting a magazine off the ground is, is not for the faint of heart. But uh, it, it really tells me that they're going about this in a way that I want to support. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's quite interesting to see a, a publishing movement of this sort coming into being. Don't, don't you think that it's uh, because the, in other parts of the publishing world, things are dying and uh, or they're putting up paywalls or, or that, that type of thing, keep everybody out. Whereas these guys are trying to walk a line between you know, making money on it and uh, and and having a an element of availability through through the mechanism you're just describing. Uh, sorry, yeah, my... guys, I need to go again. Uh, and go I probably bed, won't Ken. be back. Go to bed. Thanks. <laughs> I uh, yes, I'm getting dirty looks from my wife and not in a good way. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, coming up here is a discussion about um, we need shows. Obviously, we can, we continue to need shows. Uh, we use 260 shows every year. Um, we storm through uh, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of shows, and people have been very good about getting them in. What I'd like people to think about is how can we get um, a more guaranteed stream of shows coming in? Uh, what what is it that we can do, or is there any other ways that we can motivate new people to come in, or ways that we can get people to stop procrastinating and, and send in shows? For example, I know of three or four different people who have who have shows recorded and they're not edited and they're not uploaded. So we need those shows coming in, guys, and we need it. We need to continue feeding the queue. So how how do we feed the beast? is a topic that I don't expect to be answered here, but it would also be one that we should discuss uh, at length during the New Year's show. And with that, I'll leave you, and thank you guys for uh, for taking the time to do this uh, recording tonight. Okay, thanks, Ken. Take care, Ken. Take care of yourself. Okay, so I think... Ken's probably said all, all that needs to be said on the, the more shows issue. Um, obviously, things are getting a little bit uh, difficult at the moment. Uh, got a week's worth ahead of us and then very little for the next uh, next month or, or more. So, obviously, things are getting a little bit uh, strained. But... Uh, Hopefully yeah, and the thing that uh, I want to emphasize, anyone who's listening to this, uh, you know, you don't need to have a fancy studio to do this. Uh, you know, the, uh, Mr. Gadgets, for instance, I, I think just has a portable recorder in his car and just talks into it while he's driving around Kansas City. And, you know, that seems to work fine. Um, so, you know, just, it, it can be pretty simple. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about how I'm so dumb, I can't even figure out how to turn on the recorder, but, you know, something like a, a, uh, a Sansa clip, uh, you know, you can just record something into that, just talk into it and, uh, you know, you get a show and, 
15, 20 minutes, you know, you got something. Uh, so uh, the main thing is, you know, get in, get going. And I think once you get your feet wet, you discover it can be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so. I think so. A lot of people I've uh, spoken to about this have, have really enjoyed that process of breaking through the first show barrier um, and then, uh, you know, moving moving forward from that because, you know, it gives you a boost, an ego boost to, to have actually achieved that and uh, gives you the incentive to, uh, to come up with some other ideas, you know, and get on and do more. Everybody has something, I'm sure, that they could tell the world about through through the HPR route. Yeah, and I remember when I got started, it was because of that uh, New Year's show, uh, the first one. Uh, and I just, you know, listening to that, I just thought, well, heck, that it can't be that hard. Like, you know, I should give it a try. And, uh, you know, my first one was how I got into Linux, like so many people. But, you know, by the way, even if you don't use Linux, you know, how about a show about how awesome Windows is? I mean, <laughs> there's someone out there who thinks that. Yes, and, yes. Uh, you know, we're open to all of that stuff. Uh, you know, just uh, the, the only thing that, you know, we say, we say is that just, you know, put something into it that, uh, you know, that you're interested in. You know, what is your passion? I think that's the best way to come up with stuff. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Has has anyone done an HPR show describing how many different ways there are to do a HPR you know, show? I've written one that uh, I'm, I may even try and record this weekend that talks about how I'm doing the LibreOffice series. Um, that's just one way. I don't know that I've heard anyone go through all the different ways. No, there haven't been. There have been one or two that I've heard, but nothing has really given given a broad overview of the sort you're, you're implying there, Kevin. Good idea. I mean... Uh, Honky Magoo and I did ours off of a off a mumble server. We just both, you know, uh, decided on a time to meet. Um, we discussed, you know, kind of went over some show notes we had put together, and then we just both hit the record button at the same time. So he's recording on his local machine. I'm recording on mine, and that's pretty much it. And then you throw the the file into Audacity, edit out any stuff you don't want in there. I think probably the biggest drawback for people is maybe using Audacity. I don't know. I, I, it is quite daunting if you haven't used it before. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. It, it's um, it, it 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 does have lots and lots of controls, and it's not entirely clear what they all do. That was my impression of it, anyway. It's taken me quite a while to to find out when I need to use what and uh, how to do it, and so forth. So yeah, there, there have been one or two shows that have that have uh, looked at Audacity. I think Nido did something a few months back on the the subject, but there's there's room for more. I'm sure. There's actually a a podcast series called the Audacity to Podcast. Mm -hmm. 
cool. The, um, your point, Kevin, about uh, the uh, doing a mumble uh, show, a show across mumble, that's an interesting point because if you, if there's two of you it, and you can get a conversation going, it's often a lot easier to come up with something than it is to sit there on your own with a with a subject, um, you know. And it's uh, I've certainly found that that the odd occasion where I've done a, done a joint show with with uh, Ken, in particular, uh, it's been you know pretty pretty straightforward to uh, to to make a, a show that way. Um, and uh, in fact, we've had we've done one show that wasn't even I didn't even know it was going to be a show. It was just a way of communicating, and then we recorded it, and it was a show. So it's a good I, good. I, I, yeah, I agree because if. Like me, I'm not a very uh, boisterous person, but with when Honky and I did it, he kind of prodded me along, and I kind of prodded him along, mm-hmm. and we kind of had some moments of silence, and it, it works out real well if you're not, you know, real from, you know, real outgoing, and you just, you just like, you know, it's like talking to someone on the phone, a long lost yeah. friend, yep. and Honky and I have never met in person. We just were met. On IRC, we started. I think uh, the Linux Basics used to have a open uh, lug mumble meeting on Friday evenings. That's when I very first talked with him. So you know, it's just been some an online acquaintance that I've met through IRC and such, and we just got together and made a show. It's really nothing to it. Yep. So yeah. Have a get get mumble installed and uh, have a go. I think is the is the the message. Um, I mean, this server here can be used to record your shows. So, yes. I mean, it's open to the public. So indeed, indeed, yeah. And the hack public radio room is is not often in use. So get there and and uh, and use it. So good. Okay, so. Shall we just go to the last item then from the mailing list, which was the uh, torrent that's being set up for um, for distributing shows? Um, the origins of this go way back, I think. Uh, it was a suggestion, I think, that was made some time ago and was discussed briefly on one of these shows, which was, uh, why can't... HBR shows be made available through BitTorrent. Um, I think the that's evolved. I, I'm not really completely up to speed with this, I have to say, but I think this has evolved a bit into uh, a way of distributing the the archived shows because the, the shows obviously go back in time, right back to the uh, the original show, and they're they're on the HBR server and also on archive.org um, and uh, or at least are in the process of being put up onto archive.org um, so the should anybody wish to go back in time and, and listen to earlier shows then getting them through a torrent would be a great idea and I think some of the discussion was talking about how you would split them up into, into batches so you could go back to, to get to Reasonable sized chunks. So uh, yeah, and that does seem to 
make sense to do it mm. that way because uh, we've got 1,400 shows, roughly, mm-hmm. on Hacker Public Radio. There was 300 preceding it today with a techie, and then, you know, depending on how far back you want to go, people will talk about predecessors to that. Uh, you know, it's a lot. Uh, and the other problem that uh, that people have looked at is, uh, do, do you need to come up with a new torrent every time a new show is released? Because that would mean you have to update the torrent every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's uh, there's been a lot of discussion about this, and I think uh, Deep Geek is in the process of setting up a a demo torrent for a for a speaks for some some shows in speaks format. Yeah, so, it sounded something like that. Yeah, yeah. I to say I've not really dug deeply into this, uh, so but uh, it it looks like um, there's quite a number of people in getting involved with this. So I think it's it's got its own momentum. So uh, that's good to see. Indeed. Okay. So I think that's the end of our uh, our agenda there. Um, have you got anything else that you wanted to to raise there, Ahuka? Uh No, I think uh, you know we're almost at an hour and twenty minutes at this point, so it's probably a good time to wrap it up. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Kevin, have you got anything you wanted to add before we sign off? Nope, I'm good. Okay, okay then. Thanks everybody for for joining us and. Uh, I forget how Ken ends these things. I'll, <laughs> I'll leave him to do that next time. <laughs> right. Thanks, everybody. Well, we'll see you all next month. See you all next month. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, Today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.